How's it going? My name is Scott McTaggart. I'm one of the pastors with Artisan Church, and it is an absolute uh, pleasure to be standing before you, bringing the word this morning. Um, I just have to say I was standing out at the front with Chris, who's welcoming. Thanks for greeting us at the front door. And we were just commenting how there should be awards given to people that arrive here with young children. Just coming to a place with kids, just making it is, should be an award for that. And uh, yeah, good job, all of you that have done that. The Davises and Andersons and oh, I see lots of kids around here. Anyways, actually, you know what? Not anyways, let's give them a hand. And uh, it is, as you know, because we prayed and we've uh, sung, and the, uh, the collect today was very Advent-focused. This is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, I don't know why my mind goes this way, but Easter, we have this saying where we go, He is risen, and everyone says, He is risen. Is he? But Advent doesn't have a thing. Advent doesn't get a, like a, a but I made one up. We are waiting with anticipation for his coming. We are waiting for, for his coming indeed. Yay! We did it. Uh, and yeah, that's, maybe we'll work on it. We'll tweak it. We'll workshop it a bit with a focus group and see how it's going. Um, I was also just struck by uh, that the fact that this is what we were doing last year for Advent. We were recording videos and sending them to you. Yes. Julia, where are you? There you are. How's Jesse doing? Resting. <laughs> yeah. That's good for Advent. That's great. Glad to hear that. Is, is uh, the human Jesse here? Maybe she's online. And uh, anyways, all the there's a human Jesse. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, yeah, I'm really going off track here. I did want to do a quick crowd survey though before I dive in. Is uh, um, Advent is uh, I think known for some uh, pretty special traditions, and I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing if you feel comfortable either yelling out or I can come to you. What are some Advent traditions that you're doing in your home? Anyone want to be bold enough? Like I said, I can come to you, you can shout it out if it's really quick. Yeah. Gifts every day? Okay, maybe we should stop after that. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Gifts every day? What, what else? What's happening in, in Advent land? A Playmobil Advent setup. Cool. I didn't know they had one. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. A what? The Jesse tree. I've heard of this. Explain what it is. Yeah. Okay. Can you say more? No. No. Yeah. Okay. I just want other people to talk. Sorry. And I don't think we've met. I'm Scott. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What's your name? Shanna. Shanna. Nice to meet you. I'm Scott. <laughs> um, yeah, any other Advent traditions? 
Jesse Tree, Playmobil, Advent calendars, set up a Christmas tree, yeah. How many of you in the room by a show of hands are like strictly no Christmas music before Advent starts? Yes, strictly, wow, <laughs> shot a hand up, yeah. How many of you are like no Christmas music ever, just stop it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some other. How about uh, de decorating? Is that like a thing that happens after Advent or before? How many long before? It's your Christmas tree's been up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I had an interesting experience going to a local establishment called Canadian Tire. And uh, I went just to go get a few things. And this was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I went to go pick up. I, I can't even remember what it was. And then I, I left. It's fine. Normal Canadian Tire. Like three days later, I went back to the same Canadian Tire, and it was Christmas extravaganza. Like, like red and green and twinkle lights and and music going. Like literally half the store. What I don't know how they changed it so quickly. Was into merchandise and hanging things and twinkly things and glitter and I'd found myself like out loud, verbally saying, ugh. I was just startled by this. I was startled. It just kind of caught me off guard because I think I feel, and I don't know how you are, I feel a tension between wanting to slow down and hold space for this beautiful season called Advent. But culture every year seems to be luring us more aggressively into this commercial vision of Christmas. And I just wanted to stand and shout at Canadian Tire, Stop! This isn't Christmas! Technically, it's only Advent! And then the words of the late Rachel Held Evans just kind of centered me. Advent, she says, is a season of anticipation, of holy waiting. It is a waiting characterized not by idleness or even contented peace, but by prophetic yieldedness and active hope. Perhaps more than any other season in the Christian calendar, Advent acknowledges the already and not yet nature of the kingdom of God. In remembering the anticipation of Christ's first coming, we acknowledge and nurture our anticipation of Christ's second coming. Advent is a season for the prophets, for the dreamers, for the poets. A great light has shone, but there is still so much darkness to pierce, so much gloom to overcome. Advent should be a season of surprises, too, of God showing up when and where we least expect Emmanuel, in a womb, in a barn, as a poor minority in an oppressive empire, at the soup kitchen, at the church service you resisted attending, in that family member with whom you disagree, in every corner of this world from Ferguson, Missouri to Palestine to your kitchen, it is a season to slow down and pay attention, to listen to the prophets, to look for God in God's distressing disguises. Thank you, Rachel Held Evans. I find myself every year being a bit more compelled to lean into this and protest 
what culture is selling to me as Christmas. I want more of what Rachel Held Evans is talking about, Advent being a season of anticipation and holy waiting, helping us experience this already and not nature of the kingdom of God, pointing us toward justice, these reoccurring themes of light and darkness, uh, Advent reminding us that God shows up when and where we least expect it, calling us to slow down and pay attention, to listen to the prophets. In this spirit this morning, I say we listen to some prophets. Uh, as I read this first reading, I want to put up an image by Scott Erickson and just listen to this uh, prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And today we read, a, or Lauren did, read a, so beautifully Jeremiah 33. I want to read that again. The words are on the screen. This is one of the lectionary readings for today, for the first Sunday of Advent in year... See, if you are, if you like to nerd out on those things. Jeremiah 33, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Just some of the names of who Jesus is called. I love how the message puts it. God has set things right for us. The name of Jesus being God has set things right for us. Prophecy, ancient words, fast forward with me about 600 years into the future. Jesus is born. His ministry starts a worldwide movement. He gets killed because of it. He's miraculously resurrected. He ascends into heaven but leaves a gift of a power called the Holy Spirit. And here enter a Christian persecutor and religious leader by the name of Saul who encounters Jesus in a radical way, life-changing, and he changes his name to Paul. Paul, as some of you may know, has written most of the New Testament in forms of letters of encouragement and pastoral care for the churches that were just starting out in this new movement. He dedicates his whole life to helping the infant church grow and flourish and he writes to the church in Thessalonica, which is a fun word to say, Thessal Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Thessalonica 
is a city in northern Greece. Uh, here, if you're visual, is a map of the Mediterranean, uh, and that's where Thessalonica is, and that's a close-up of it. I don't know why, but my mind goes here. Google Maps says it's about an hour and 49-minute drive from Thessalonica to Philippi, where if you're putting the words together, Paul wrote letters to the Thessalonians in Thessalonica and Philippi, the Philippians. So that's cool. And then, really not relevant, but there's three McDonald's in Thessalonica. And I just found that interesting. I don't know why, but I think something to do with, it, this is a real place that exists today and did then, and Paul's writing to these people, and now you can go to McDonald's there. <laughs> it's funny and profound, I think. I don't know. Yeah. But it's a deeply pastoral letter. Um, what do I mean by that? It's, he's deeply caring and encouraging these people. There's a sense that Paul is actively taking this church under his wing, physically, in person, when he can, but mostly from afar through letters. And this particular letter, from prison. And also, uh, the passage I'm going to read from you is our second lectionary reading uh, for Advent 1. And we've chosen to read the, uh, I, I chose to focus on these passages a bit for uh, lectionary. Normally we would read a psalm and a, a gospel. So that's why we changed it up, just so you know, in case you're worried. I want to read from 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13. How can we thank God enough for you? in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. You can hear some Advent themes going on here, some anticipation and holy waiting, to use Rachel Held Evans' words. Um, there's anticipation for Paul to come to this church in Thessalonica, uh, but also that Jesus would come again. Uh, they are deeply steeped in this already and not yet reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. We can participate in all the goodness of heaven now. That's why Jesus said to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it's not fully here. There's still sickness, disease, war, hate, evil, death. Uh, like our brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, we are, Artisan Church, still in this tension, the kingdom of God now, but also not yet. And so I think this mini uh, pastoral benediction is also for us today to encourage us in this already not, reality, not yet reality. Um, and as a pastor in this church body, I want to say this over you, Artisan Church, today. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. May he strengthen your hearts 
so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. As a pastor, my heart bleeds for this phrase, may he strengthen your hearts. I just, I, it oozes out of me to you that your, strength, your hearts will be strengthened. It's the reason, part of the reason we spent nine weeks in a series called The Deeply Formed Life, that our hearts might be strengthened. Uh, it's why we created a home liturgy when we couldn't gather in a pandemic, that our hearts might be strengthened. A lot of things we do as a church are so our hearts and other hearts might be strengthened. Um, this might be a good time to give a bit of a confession that uh, I tried to do too much in the sermon. And I, I kind of picture like a kid who's just poured a bowl of cereal and the milk's overflowing in the cereal, just like, eh, like too much, whoops. Well, like, so just hear me out here. The, the confession is, and I'm just being transparent, that I tried to um, open up the Advent season. I tried to wrap up our series on the deeply formed life, but also while holding the second part of the missional presence sermon, which Lawrence started last week, and then preaching from the lectionary text while focusing on this topic of hope. So it's a, just a little bit too much. And I, I just had a moment where I had to release it and say, God, I can't do anything. You can. This sermon is not everything, and it doesn't have to be, so I'm releasing that. I'm just confessing that to you because it was a, a real issue, and it's why I'm a little bit jittery right now. Not, not a lot of sleep um, in coming to today. And I realized I kind of was ashamed of this, but I've, be, I've become, in this sermon, the very thing I've criticized in my Canadian tire experience, just too much. And, and I think this, this is what gave me comfort, is that I think we all can share that there's a temptation to do too much, to be too much, to say too much. I can't stop hearing Dave Matthews' words in my head, too much. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to find the strength to shout, stop, to our own selves and find a better way forward. Um, and this is where I'm going to tie it in. And I think there's some Advent themes here and missional presence ideas here from Rich Villadas. But he mentions, I think, a very helpful framework of living a deeply formed life today. Uh, it's shaped by the tension of these two things, being and doing. Being and doing. Rich Villadas says, when I speak of being deeply formed, I'm specifically referring to a way of being in the world that's marked by new rhythms, contemplative presence, and interior awareness, which results in lives that work for reconciliation, justice, and peace, while seeing the sacredness of all of life. It is this kind of life that God wants to form in us. Why? Because our transformation in all these areas is one of the most effective ways to see a world come to experience God's saving love. He continues, 
the best witness we have as the church is not our good music, a thank you, Jenny, <laughs> nor the programs that meet felt needs, not the quality of the edifice that people worship in, thank you, Japanese Hall. The best witness we have is our transformed lives. The, wow. The best witness we have is our transformed lives. I, I think what he's saying is that our doing, our action, must flow out of our being, who we are. Any talk of being engaged in this world must begin not with activity but with a life in God. Um, or in other words, less reactionary and more of what Richard Rohr calls pure action. Uh, Richard Rohr says, without some degree of inner and out, even outer silence, we are never living, never tasting the moment. The opposite of contemplation is not action. It is reaction. We must wait for pure action, which proceeds from deep silence. Now, to be honest, I have a tension here. Being versus doing, I know, first of all, not all of us have the luxury of time and space and silence like um, Mr. Rohr. I want to say a little bit like, mm, that seems nice. <laughs> Good for you. Um, I, I do think there is something here, though, that any action or activity, especially when we talk missionally uh, in the name of Jesus needs to come from a place of being with Jesus. And, and another tension I hold is, well, some things are urgent. We need to act. Yeah, and I still think that maybe instead of being so reactionary all the time, there, there's an opportunity to just stop, even if it's just a moment, just to reevaluate, ask the Spirit to speak instead of speaking. It, it, it's this idea that we, we can be so, we need to be so dedicated, even obsessed with being with Jesus so that we can be Jesus for another. I, and I wonder what this would look like in our church, in our interactions on social media, if we just stopped and then acted. And I think the good news is that we can do this. Like right today, we can do this. Um, you can go for it. You can unleash yourselves to walk in this way. For instance, take a month and consider prayer walking your neighborhood just to say, Jesus, what might you do through me in my neighborhood? Or commit yourself to five minutes of centering prayer every morning this month and just see what happens in you, from you, or do what Nelson's doing. Take, dial back from your social media during Advent, see what happens. I think there are sustainable ways that we can all practice being, um, and the promise when we are with Jesus that he draws near to us, his promise is that when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And Jesus' words bring so much comfort to me I want to read Matthew 11, 28 to 30, but in a different translation, because sometimes it's helpful just to spark our imagination. And this is the First Nations version, Matthew 11, 28, 30. 
Come close to my side, you whose hearts are on the ground, you who are pushed down and worn out, and I will refresh you. Follow my teachings and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest from your troubled thoughts. Walk side by side with me, and I will share in your heavy load and make it light. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I want to just take one more step uh, into another passage from Scripture. It's not a lectionary reading. It's not even an Advent reading. Um, But I wonder, have you ever had this experience where you read uh, a portion of the Bible, a Scripture or a passage, and it just, for whatever reason at that time and moment, is like lightning, like, poof, this is for me now. I needed to see or read this right now. Have you ha- have had that experience, like a cutting or a piercing? Um, I remember an experience like this on my 40th birthday. I'm 42 now. This was two years ago. Yes, I'm good at math. <laughs> and I was getting quite reflective, just thinking about being alive for 40 years in my next 40 years. And I went on this sailing trip with some friends And I got up early to spend some time with Jesus. I got my tea. I went up to the bow of the boat and made a cozy little perch. I brought my Bible. This is a picture from that moment. And I just sat there, being. Beautiful setting, the mountains, the ocean, Bible, my English breakfast tea, thank you, Jesus, and my notebook. And I felt like God led me, I didn't have a plan, but I felt like God led me to this familiar passage, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, I'm, I'm raised in the church, attended Christian school from kindergarten to grade 12. I have heard this passage. I want to say hundreds for sure, maybe thousands of times. The Lord is my shepherd. And it was like that, lightning. I'd never heard it like this before. The Lord is my shepherd, Scott's shepherd. I I think I knew this, but it just hit me so hard, partly because it's always been said so generically or for someone else or a funeral or a mass gathering. Even the sound of it sounds familiar. It's like one word, Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't take time to like parse out the words, but for whatever reason, it was this just radical encounter with Jesus on the bow of a boat where he said, Scott, I'm your, I'm your shepherd. Yes to being the shepherd of all of the universe and everyone always, but I'm also your shepherd, Scott. It was so profoundly personal. And this wave of love and peace and joy just came over me, and I just wanted to stay in that moment for a long time. And as I read this chapter, I realize something. I have actually very little to do. It's mostly about what God does. Just listen to the words of Psalm 23 again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Insert her, if that's helpful. I'm reading the traditional version. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One thing that stuck out to me so clearly is God does all the heavy lifting here. here here's a list of what God does versus what we do based on Psalm 23. Just listen to this. God makes me lie down, leads me, refreshes me, guides me, comforts me, prepares a table, anoints me, follows me with goodness and love. And the list of what I do, I walk and dwell. <laughs> That's all I do. It's surprisingly lopsided and surprisingly manageable. <laughs> manageable but costly. Being and doing, walking and dwelling. It's the vision of the monastery and the mission. Uh, and this is not just a promise for a few people, this is for all of God's people that we can be and do, walk and dwell. I love that. I wanna leave you, oh man, I felt like I was gonna go over time, I'm already nearing the end here. <laughs> Um, being and doing resources for you, because I, I don't want to leave it just at that, um, but I, I do want to provide some resources and maybe tell a few stories here. But there's lots of resources and opportunities for practicing this, for strengthening our hearts. Um, there's almost too much <laughs> resources, but here are some that we have talked about or recommended. Um, one that is happening uh, the first week of Advent, and I want to challenge you to consider I'm not saying you have to, this is mandatory, but consider uh, signing up to pray for one hour in Jacob's Well in the prayer space during Advent, the first week of Advent, December 2nd to uh, December 8th. And it's uh, a movement in the downtown east side. All of the churches are, are invited to participate. And the hope is that there would be 24 hours of continuous prayer for seven days. Um, so I'm putting that out to you. And it sounds like, a, oh, you're just getting us to do more stuff. It's already a busy season. Yes, I know. But to sign up for an hour of prayer, something happens when you go to that time of prayer. You're actually not doing a lot. You sign up to do very little, just to be, to pray, to sit, to receive. So I'm putting that challenge out to you. Again, not pressuring or or mandating this, but just consider this. Um, also, there are a ton of Advent resources and guides, uh, too much, again, uh, but some that we've recommended, and we'll put them up on the screen, some pictures. Uh, Seeking Justice was a blog that was written by um, someone that's connected to Artisan, Kristen Swatsky's sister, Lana? Kristen, where are you? Yeah. Hey, Kristen. Good job, made it today with the kids. <laughs> uh, seeking Justice, they did it last year, but it's a, a full uh, 25 days, I think, 26 days of, of Advent reflections. It's beautiful. Um, also, yeah, Honest Advent is a great one from Scott Erickson. I showed one of his images. Um, what's the next one here I've got? A Season of Almost, a new one by Kate Bowler. I haven't re read it, but I've heard it's good. 
Um, and then waiting an Advent guide for faithful activists. This is online resource. And there's links in the Community Life email for you. Uh, and uh, of course, Terry's put together this wonderful Advent family guide. Uh, and we say all this not to, you know, there's this and this and do this and do this, but to consider how you can protest the, what culture is selling as Christmas to slow down and enter this anticipation that is Advent and to practice being and doing. Um, prayer hour happens regularly. When's the next one, Jenny? Bree, do you know? What's that? First and third Monday. So this next coming Monday after. Okay. Thank you. That was really clear. <laughs> first and third Monday, though. Yeah. And it'll be happening on the first and third of December. Yeah? Great. Um, another way that we can practice doing is uh, we've been partnering more with uh, Jim Green residents, which is just right next door here. And uh, some awesome things happening about that. Randy, who's from Jim Green, say hey, Randy. Hey. <laughs> um, it's been cool talking to uh, some of the staff and people there about um, just ways that we can serve. And uh, Christmas meal came up. We've done this a couple of years now. And so uh, we've partnered with Deacon's Corner uh, Restaurant, and they're going to provide uh, 70 Christmas meals for uh, the staff and residents of Jim Green. And if you want to donate to that, that's the way you can practice doing. Um, and I think I'll, I'll leave it there. I want to invite us right now, though, just to pause and to practice what I've been talking about, just being, take some time to be. So embrace this Advent season of holy waiting to pause and reflect. Spend some time right here, right now, and some response before we rush out the doors. And as we come to the table, there are several ways that we can respond. One is by singing. We're going to sing, we're going to pray. You can even write down your prayers if you want over here and we'll read them out loud as the prayers of the people. And of course, you can come to the table to receive uh, the wafer and the cup. Let's remind ourselves the good news of the gospel.